above the law no <laughs> hey yeah no great thanks for jumping in and doing the intro there this is thinking like a lawyer you just couldn't be bothered you you were concerned that you might somebody might speak over you so you just yeah so i worked it out, out so that so i worked it out so that that chris did it you weren't expecting that it's uh it was a fake out I don't, I'm not interested in interrupting Chris. I know, that's the issue. So we actually actually got to have a professional opening. (laughs) Thank you. Wonderful co-worker. (laughs) This is Thinking Like a Lawyer, the Above the Law podcast. I'm Joe Patrice. I'm joined by both Catherine Rubino and Chris Williams. We talk about the big legal stories of the week that was uh, all the time on this show. And we are here again, and we are going to begin, as we always do, with a little bit of small talk. Small talk. Okay. It's the best part of the show. It, you heard it here first. I mean, it's a good part of the show. Let's be honest. <laughs> so, That's usually how you describe the best. Yeah. I don't, you know, I said it's a good. I don't know. It's a, I'm not going to go with the best. But yeah, so it's small talk time. Everything's, uh, we're, we're living. How are you, it, uh, you having a good day? I, hey, look, we're living in wild times. Me Better and, than FSU? Me, me and Donald Trump agree on stuff now. It's I weird. I know. It's wild out there. Yeah, like broken clocks and everything. Uh, Some yeah, clarification so, would be nice. Oh, well, uh, so the... So there's this sports ball thing going on. Yeah, so the, <laughs> the college football playoff uh, field got announced. They did not let FSU into the playoffs despite being undefeated in a major conference. I mean, and- it's wild. I'm not even an SEC or ACC fan, and I am salty about it. I am very much on record as hating FSU, and yet I feel bad for them. They, you know, it's kind of you bullshit. win all your games. You, know? you win all your games, and and the thing of it is, I mean, so uh, for those maybe who weren't following this weekend, uh, Alabama one well, loss. Alabama got into the fourth spot in the playoffs over undefeated Florida State. And I will go to my grave believing in my heart and in my soul that if it was any other team that was potentially in that fourth spot besides Alabama, nope, not it would not have happened. Florida State would have gotten it. I feel very th- – this is a reflection on the 2017 Alabama team yeah. <laughs> a lot more than it is what happened in 2023. I, I feel like they were going to let un- SEC, whoever the SEC champion was in. So if it had been – if it was like, I, oh, who else was one loss in the in in the SEC? I don't even know. Uh, Probably Mizzou. I they think, would not. Maybe. Yeah. Nope. They, if Mizzou had beaten Georgia in the finals, they would not. Nope. 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 Florida State's in. I'm see, sure of it. I feel good about that. See, I, see, now I actually think it's slightly different. I think that they wanted to have the SEC champion in no matter what, and the problem that they had was that. There Texas were, beat the, the SEC right, champ. Was that Texas had already beaten the SEC champ, and they couldn't let Alabama in without letting Texas in. So at that point, they had to let Texas in. At which point, that pushed Florida State out. Is I think how their thinking went. I mean, it's it's kind of it's horse hockey all yeah. the way around. It is just going to accelerate the demise of every other conference besides the Big Ten and the SEC because mm-hmm. you know the yeah, they're over. growing. They're both of those next year, both of those conferences will have increased with significant powerhouse type programs in them i mean think about it in next year the four teams that are in the playoffs only represent two conferences yeah right now the rankings as of today i think from one to 13 in the rankings florida state's the only one who's not from those two conferences once the mergers and florida state's already trying to get out of the acc this is only going to accelerate that and i think that i think that's bad 
I think that long term, that that's not great. Oh, it's real bad. And, and the whole reason we agreed to go to this multi-team playoff was to avoid having all these conferences get sucked up into mega conferences. And yet here we are. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I personally enjoyed is that if we had no playoffs, if it was, you know, the mid-90s mm-hmm. again, the one versus two would be playing in the Rose Bowl. And it would just be perfect and everything <laughs> and we would, would be, like, be oh, fine. that's who won. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, so that's happening anyway. The way this all came back to Trump is he is very livid about it on his social medias, which is I'm sure he has no concept of what's actually happening in the sport, but he understands that he can, you know, engender himself to Florida voters by making this all about Florida State, and he's also blaming Ron DeSantis for it, which you know is another plus. Not that DeSantis is. I can't a... imagine how this is. De- I-, I put a lot on Ron DeSantis. I can't imagine how the college football playoff committee is his fault. But I mean, it's another way to kick that guy while he's down. I, I don't even understand why Trump is like still going. Gavin Newsom did. <laughs> yeah, I don't even understand why he's still going after DeSantis at this point. He's beaten Nikki all of Haley? them. Who else is he? Yeah, that's go the after? thing. He, he's beaten all of them, but Haley's the one who's actually remotely close to him and by remotely close she's still down by like 30 points but we live in the dumbest timeline she's doing better in the polls than uh ron anyway so yeah so that's uh, that's been did you do anything fun this weekend other than watch all the oh you're saying i was talking with somebody else since we've kind of been dominating the small talk yeah yeah um well, related to, to my life and stuff, uh, we had a little Christmas ornament painting party. Um, nice. It wasn't, it wasn't like paint enough ornaments for six trees or anything, but it was cool. I mean, um, that is a lot of ornaments, I, I can attest. Yeah, I, I, I cannot. Still, power to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was nice. Uh, I found out that Monster Energy has a line of alcoholic drinks, mm. and I should have found that out. By looking at the can saying, interesting and moving on. Unfortunately, my goofy ass tried one. <laughs> and I've been some strange combination of sleepy and wired ever since. Um, but but it was a good Fair. it was a good weekend overall. Monster Energy noted sponsor of McLaren. Uh, Monster is uh, is Mercedes. Not anymore. No, yeah. really? Yeah, that happened that happened like last week. Yeah. Wow, I was yeah. not following. Anyway. I know that Mercedes is being uh, sued for their last set of sponsors, which included FTX. Okay. Can we like oh, this is this is small talky but also kind of legal. <laughs> there there are a few things that I find stupider than these lawsuits against companies that FTX spent money to advertise with. Uh, like it's not it's not their fault that FTX was a criminal operation. Like it, they took money and they put their logo on that's their entire responsibility. Yeah. It's like we we don't you know like you don't get to sue the TV network because they ran the commercial or something, right? right like it's right, right. But for some reason everybody who's mad at FTX is suing everybody who starred in one of their commercials, everybody who took their advertising money and like they how is this still going on like this is this is the argument for quick motions to dismiss <laughs> listen when you're that desperate to make some of the money back anybody with a name is a target yeah i mean i i also just i'm one of those people who doesn't have a ton of sympathy for folks who got screwed over by that because at no point did it look like it was a legitimate deal <laughs> like it was the whole argument was to here's a platform on which you could trade in fake money. It really should have, there should have been some red flags there from jump, but oh well. So anyway, let's uh, let's get to real work, I guess, you know? Ending our small talk. 
Has anything interesting happened around Above the Law and the business of law since the last time we chatted? Absolutely not. Really? So weird. No. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I think we've talked about the series of uh, raises that Milbank had made in the beginning of the month, and then it was kind of crickets. Mm -hmm. Well, the... Returning from the uh, holiday break for Thanksgiving, Cravath uh, on Tuesday announced their new associate scale. They matched for the junior. There you go. There you go. They matched for the junior classes, and as they've done in the past, come over the top of the Millbank scale for mid-level and senior associates. And you know, between five and I think fifteen thousand dollars, depending on year, over those Millbank numbers. So we're talking between fifteen and twenty-five thousand dollar raises for those associates. It's interesting to say the least. Everyone since Cravath has made its move, we've been in bonus news world where mm-hmm. there've been a t- bunch of announcements being made. You know, many a day we've been reporting on them as they come in. Uh, friendly reminder: if your firm is making compensation moves or bonus moves, you can let us know at tips at above the law.com. But yeah, so that's what's been happening. Yeah. So this was, this was interesting. So, and this is, this has happened, as you said before, and Mm -hmm. it mill, everyone's content with the salaries. Millbank chooses to do what is, I maintain a right and proper, but also very modest increase of everybody by cost of living. And then for some reason, no one's content to let them dictate that. And so they go over the top and then we get actual raises for people. But it is good news for the, mid, the mid-level market. It's a, I mean, it's a market that there's a lot of competition for talent in that market. Uh, it's, it is interesting, though, that this happens right now because while I think there's a lot of competition among a lot of the key firms, we are coming right off of a off of a, a year in which firms that were I mean no how do we put this firms that were over reliant upon sectors of the economy that weren't doing well mm-hmm. people who were very over reliant on tech and stuff like that uh, actually engaged in some layoffs throughout the year right uh, meaning that there were and are to the extent that some of them were stealth layoffs so they didn't like get kicked to the door immediately, but told they had a little bit of time to get out, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of high-quality, mid-level people on the market already because of that. So it is interesting that the, there's an increase now when one would think that the mid-level, there was a little bit of a reason to believe that that was kind of depressed as far as the amount you needed to pay because there were people who were desperate to, to move from yeah. those bad places. But not bad poorly planned out for the realities of 2023 places. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought it was a little interesting that they went over the top in that way. It seemed like they didn't need to, but here we are. That said, uh, this has given rise to a persistently dumb narrative, I think, which is that, oh, they're getting paid so much. Uh, and, oh, they're gonna. this is really going to hurt them in the end because they're going to be paid so much that the firms are going to have to work them harder to justify it. I continue not to understand why that is because, in reality, they're getting paid the same thing they were when I started 
20 years ago. Sure. You know, uh, when you adjust for inflation, it's about where you know, they're getting paid about what they were getting paid back in the turn of the century, as I'll call it now. I think it's interesting because I don't think everyone will be able to keep up with those bonuses, whether, you know, as you say, they're not particularly large. Well, I think for some of the more senior classes, obviously they're, yeah. they're, they're more noteworthy. They're, they hurt the pocketbook a little bit more depending on, I guess, the size of those senior classes. But I don't think we're going to see in a cross. I don't think the entirety of the AMLO 100 are going to match. Certainly not the second hundred, meaning the 101st to 200 uh, ranks. I think that's right. I don't think we'll see that. You know, I I also have like a little bet with myself going on with some of the firms that have quickly announced this match. Uh, if they're in that second 50, 51 to 100, my prediction is that if they've quickly announced the raises, that they'll see a significant uptick in their revenue when the numbers for 2023 are released. But, it, it, you know, I think that this is really going to create that haves and have nots in the in the big law sphere. I don't think there will be a monolith of compensation across 200 firms the way there currently is or, or about a month yeah. ago there was. I think that this is going to break that uh, sort of lockstep mentality in big law. Me, maybe. I, so to go, I'm going to I'm going to respond to that, but I want to go back to the topic I was on before, and then I'll get to that. And so as far as that inflationary issue, uh, one conversation that I had on social media over the weekend, Professor Orrin Kerr had put up a put up a, a thing talking about how this was a lot more money than back in the day, basically. And I pointed out that inflation wise, it really wasn't. And his point was that going back even further, was and I said like look yeah you can always pick a moment in time where things are stale and it's not really an inflationary move or you know but I was doing it from the Gunderson move which means I did it from the la from that jump back in the 90s mm -hmm. uh, but we did both agree that there is a point going far enough back where it can't be accounted for just by inflation uh, some you know an associate in the mid 80s was not making even adjusted for inflation this amount of money. But also, and this is where we both kind of came to agreement, that going back that far, the issue is the work of an associate is actually more valuable today than it was in the hmm. in the mid 80s. I mean, just because of technology and so on, the amount of productivity that that associate can deliver to a client is up. They can do more clients, they can do more of them faster. Like there's a reason why it is now baked in that they get to bill more than just adjusting for inflation over that period. And likewise, why they should have to be paid a little mm -hmm. bit more. Anyway, so that was that was that topic. Now, as far as the other point about who's going to come out with higher numbers, as far as gross revenue, when this all comes shakes out, I actually was thinking about that too. And uh, one argument that I had pitched is, and they will never do it, but if American lawyer wanted to produce, you know, wanted to perform a real public service, they would stop putting out their figures in April or whenever it is that we get the new AMLA numbers and choose to do it always like the second or third week of November. Because let me tell you, you know what we wouldn't hear a lot of? anonymous complaining from managing partners about how it's oh, greedy if we give these associates bonuses like this if they had to do it 
a week removed from all of us getting to see how much their profits were. Mm -hmm. They thrive on the fact that there's several months between we all learned that they had a 10% increase in their profits and then they complain about giving a 1% increase to associates, you know? Yeah, yeah. All right. Anything else on this topic? I think that we will continue to see um, all of this news. And and I think that compared to other years when there was a general accepted thought that everyone would eventually match these numbers, we'll see a lot more interest as we see which firms kind of shakes out, which firms are able to match and which firms are not. Okay. So on that note, lightning round quick. Is anybody going to go over the top of this? No. Okay. How far down the so not not for I'll say this not for compensation, perhaps for bonuses, but probably those will be okay. those will be um, kind of performance based. So which some firms already are doing, but you know that they can reward their truly high billers or their truly. So valuable. you had to, it depends even the lightning. They know round. no one will go over the top of base salaries. Right, and will how far down the AMLA one hundred are we going to go before like this kind of well, cut off? So Obviously, it won't be perfect. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, I think. We've already had some in the 80s, mm. in the AMLA 80s. I don't think we'll see anybody out of the top 110. Okay, cool. But it won't be across the board. It won't be all of those firms. Right, I, I agree. Yeah. I think that the there will be outliers on all sides of it, but I, I'm thinking right around AMLA 60 might be where we start seeing. I think uh, that when the new numbers are out, it might be they, they'll have moved up to 60, but currently I think that there are some in like the 80s and 90s that- There absolutely will be. Yeah. I'm I'm doing a basically like everybody above fifty or sixty are gonna do it. Mm -hmm. There will be a few below, but I'm thinking where the cutoff is, where like not just everybody is knee jerk doing. Yeah, I think that's true. There. I think that's true. I think I think the top fifty will definitely raise. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Gee, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Okay, so it is Spotify end of year season where everybody starts getting their, you know, little reports of what they listen to the most throughout the year. We learned that Professor Leah Littman's in the 0.005% of Taylor Swift listeners or something like that, which her. is, yeah. Uh, but I don't have Spotify. Does that, does so that hurt can't. to read, uh, <laughs> Catherine? No, I don't have Spotify, so I don't know where I, I, I fall. Um, I use Apple Music. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know how I shake out, but uh, I'll shake it off. It's okay. Good for her. Ooh. I'm glad. Oh. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm happy for her. Ooh, you suck. <laughs> All right. So, but... 
given the uh, given this news, uh, I would the segue here is that we had a loyal listener who point, put up their list of the top podcasts they listened to, and we were atop that, which was awesome and exciting. And shout out, but we in in going back and forth uh, with that listener, we you know the the thing that was kind of the favorite that they're here for is Amy Wax dunking. Uh, so <laughs> guess what? We have an Amy Wax story. Amy Wax, uh, for those who are new to the show, professor at Penn Law, she makes her living not so much doing the whole scholarship thing as much as doing the making random comments about white supremacy being awesome thing. Uh, so she does that. The school is in the midst of trying to kick her to the curb to the extent that it's not really, it's not really academic freedom or tenure related when you're using Wikipedia as your primary source to say a bunch <laughs> of stuff. Uh, it is also true that she has been inviting known leaders of hate groups to campus. That's uh, not great. Yeah, the school doesn't like that. Uh, and so the school is using that as part of its argument that maybe this is one of those times where tenure doesn't extend. That said, uh, she's done that in the past. Uh, this year, she put on her syllabus that she was going to invite the white supremacists back to campus. The school didn't like that either, but she did. And she's got that all set up. That's happened uh, this week, I believe. And where this story comes in is that the Penn Law community and students were, you know, doing their First Amendment thing and protesting the fact that this was happening, uh, because that's what you do when Nazis show up. And this prompted one of Wax's acolytes, one, uh, a 3L, to write a letter to the administration kind of complaining about, <sighs> complaining about the professionalism of the rest of the student body for Complaining that white nationalists were invited? Yeah, just, they should be nicer, you know? I mean, that is that is a take. It is, as, as, as he points out, it's when they boo white supremacists, it, it really is an effort to, quote, intimidate, indicating a lack of respect for civil discourse. Wow. I just imagine there's some, uh, there was some person writing an Onion article, and the title was Haiti McHateface Mad That People Don't Like What He Says. And then this gets released and it's like, damn. Yeah. It's not it, it, unrealistic enough. I'm one of those people who believes that the, well, if law students can't handle that, how could they ever handle a courtroom or a, a judge being mad at them? I, I hate that argument that often gets bantied about by people because I think that it is, uh, well, it's dumb on a lot of levels, not the least of which most lawyers don't end up in courtrooms. So why why would it matter whether they could stand up to that? But in this instance, if you can't deal with somebody complaining that you brought a white supremacist to campus without tattling to the dean, maybe you aren't really cut out for this profession. Amazing. You know? But well, I guess we should continue. Uh, he the student does say that admit that they have a that the protesters have a free speech right to do this, but also says that the school should do more to encourage a culture where they wouldn't do it, and says that the administration has fostered an environment in which conservative students do not feel a likewise freedom to express their viewpoints. I mean, I don't know about you all, but uh, FedSoc seems pretty comfortable <laughs> expressing whatever they want to do and on having campus. it catered by Chick-fil-A. Yeah. One of the things that uh, going through this article, one of the things that this student brings up is that, well, if the situation were reversed, 
I think the administration would be really, uh, you know, would be doing something what's, about that. What's the reverse? Well, that's the issue. If a, I speculate that the, if he's basically saying that if somebody were to complain about like the black student law, student law group having a meeting, then the school would be really upset about it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. well, when, when it's a Title IX violation, I think they probably would, you know? <laughs> yeah. Also, I would love for a law school to invite Frank Waterson to speak at something. Yeah. I mean, that, has that happened? Probably not in law. I don't know. But I mean, like, but I mean, like, like that's right the after thing. the like, Fed Sock meeting, like, here's why we should burn down civil society. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, but I, you don't even need to go that far in, in a mm. world in which everyone's up in arms about critical race theory. Like that, their critical race theory is a, a is a legal concept that all there are people on campus who teach. You know, mm-hmm. certainly my professors. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so we have an Amy Wax defender who is very very upset. And oh, one one last I, thing on this. So yeah. Jared Taylor himself, yes. not an anti semite. He was like. Uh, Jewish people seem white enough to me, uh, right. but he rubs a lot of shoulders <laughs> with like Nazis, neo-Nazis. So like as far as the thing from a while ago where law firms are like, hey, law schools, we need to do better about this. There should seem like there should be some pressure to not allow people that are that close with being cool with people who hate Jews <laughs> invited right. back repeatedly. Yeah. And like that, that is a weird aspect of all of this, right? Like the, the modern white supremacy movement does have these like wings like there are the wildly anti-semitic wings that have ties to the old school nazi you know philosophy and there are fellow travelers in that who like you said are willing to draw the line and say jewish people are white enough for their personal philosophy of white supremacy but push white supremacy otherwise for instance Mm -hmm. amy wax has never been he's obviously not anti-Semitic and anything she actually says, but she has said the sentence that she believes whites are, she does, she quote, doesn't shrink from the word superior is a quote from her. So yeah, they, they it, you know, it's a, it's a big tent white nationalism these days. That's why they have <laughs> the hoods. Yeah. Like, oh, oh. The zing. All right. Hey, do you remember taking the MPRE? Vaguely. Yeah, I suppress. <laughs> oh, I mean, legal ethics. I mean, legal ethics is not really all that hard to master, right? Like, there's real simple stuff that you that you learn, and then you know, you just know that's how you're supposed to do it, and then you move on, right? Sure. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, I feel like the reason that don't mix money. Yeah, don't mix money, and the reason that the MRE prep isn't pressed nearly as much as Barbie because it's kind of like a gut feeling when you're doing something wrong. Uh-huh. Like something like something in the stomach to kneecap area lets you know, hey, I shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> so should you if you know somebody else is represented by a lawyer, should you as a lawyer intervene to badmouth that lawyer and get that person to fire their lawyer? Nope. Let me let me do okay. the gut check chest. No. <laughs> How'd I score? What, what if what if it was uh the person the 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 potential client you know is actually engaged in a lawsuit that implicates a person that you're trying to make your client and so you're trying to intervene for the purpose of getting this kind of handled on the down low so that it doesn't hurt the person that you actually want to be your client extra no yeah yeah that would be bad again a little harder but i feel like that's wrong in multiple places 
look, hey, I, this is this is all part of the game. Uh, all right. So then, if you were to do all of that, and then would you? Would you, even though you technically weren't representing either side, quote unquote, then negotiate the settlement agreement for the person so that it minimizes the and, and involves an NDA and all Still that? Still no. Okay, mm. look, I'm okay. saying if you do all that, you definitely can't practice in California. Maybe in New Jersey. <laughs> you know, there's scores involved. So it, it is interesting that you say New Jersey because that is uh, where this is all going to. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, that's where this is all going to end up coming out. So we have, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, you were correct on all those. That way. I was looking for my ah, sound effect for ding. like, the, yeah. All right, anyway, so Alina Haba, who is the attorney for Donald Trump these days, who previous experience was representing like, car garages and stuff, but now is thrust into this role. It seems, according to a complaint that just came out, that also had a lengthy, lengthy set of documents in the appendix, which seemed to include an entire text history between the plaintiff and the attorney. It seems as though the plaintiff was sexually harassed at a Donald Trump club, uh, was involved in a lawsuit against the club over it, and had a lawyer. And then Alina came in as a member of the club, convinced this plaintiff who she was friendly with, because the plaintiff had been a server of hers at the club, to fire the original lawyer, and then injected herself, not as her lawyer, but as a mutual party trying to make things work and then negotiated the agreement between her and the club still bad (laughs) in a way that uh benefited the trumps uh, according to this lawsuit and uh that is yeah i mean the the funny part is that we don't know i guess alina's like mindset going into this it certainly reads the fact pattern reads as if they're at least according to the complaint that they was done in order to curry favor with the trump you know, legal world, but, but little did they know that, that the standards would fall so fast, so, so far, so fast. Uh, and basically just having a JD and being willing to sign your name to whatever, you know, theory Donald Trump has is probably enough to get you in pretty good with these folks. Yeah, it is wild. I will say that I, uh, our colleague Liz Dye wrote this article. I edited it. So I read it. I was the party who read it the closest and dug through the whole complaint. And I got to say, I put up that this is in the top 10 of the most egregious fact patterns I've ever <laughs> read for legal ethics. And look, there, there are legal ethics cases that are like Alex Murdaugh doing stuff, right? And, and like Alex Murdaugh doing stuff. That's that, like that's real different. crimes. Right. Those that, are like independent crimes that would exactly. be crimes whether or not you're a lawyer. This is like the worst for like legal ethics. Right, like exactly. Because you're so, a lawyer, so this I'm, is bad. Exactly. So I'm taking off the table anything that's actively criminal, sure. what they're doing. Sure. How, do, how does this relate yeah. to judges? Like where is this up there with like the Clarence buffoonery? Oh, Ooh. this is way past this is, that. Yeah, this like, is. Because that, that's bad and all, but like you, you like that's a – it's a straightforward enough thing that's bad. And it's a thing that they know they correctly, if wrongly, they were like, no rules actually apply to us, which is the case. It's just unfortunate that that's the case. Mm-hmm. This is this is like, as I said, no one asks you on the MPRE, if you were a Supreme Court justice, could you get away with getting on a private jet? Right. Uh, sure. But you right. do get asked all of these questions. <laughs> Every one of these gets asked. By the way, just in case there are any like one through three, I was listening to this. There's a fact yeah. pattern, and what she did is option C. Pick D. <laughs> just pick D. 
This is no, no, because D is always the one that's like, there's not enough information to make a decision one way or the other. <laughs> there is. We know there that's is. E now. That's E now. <laughs> oh, that's E now. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that we were all the way down to E. Yeah. Um, there was uh, okay. there was option inflation. <laughs> Wild times. Uh, obviously, this lawsuit is you know it just started, so you know they're just allegations. Uh, they just happen to be allegations that have like. 10 pages worth of text chains involved with them, uh, which, you know, ain't great. Uh, It don't look good. The plaintiff is represented also by arguably the premier employment lawyer in New Jersey, which, you know, suggests some things about what the value of this case, too. So uh, we'll see how that goes for for Alina. Although, as Liz points out, Alina's already on the hook for a million in sanctions in, in Florida or whatever, so... Maybe, maybe this is small potatoes. Yeah. (laughs) So that brings us to the end for this week. So you should listen to the show. Obviously, you should subscribe to the show. You should give it reviews, write something, you know, all of that. Stars, all of that helps. You should be reading above the law. So you read these and other stories before they happen. You should be following us on social media. It's at ATL blog on the Twitters. I'm at Joseph Patrice. She's at Catherine One which is the numeral one. Chris is at rights for rent, which is rights as in typing words, not rights as in things that we used to have before the current federal judiciary. You should uh, also on blue sky. I just, I just shortened myself to Joe Patrice, but everyone else is the same. You should be listening to the Jabot, which is Catherine's other podcast. You can mm-hmm. listen to the legal tech week journalist Roundtable, which I'm a guest on every week. You should be checking out the other offerings from the legal talk network. And with all of that said, I think we're done and uh, we Peace. will, yeah, we'll uh, talk later. Oh, uh, next week our show might sound a little different cause we'll all be together in one room, Woo-hoo! which is exciting, but we'll be all together in one room because we'll be at the above the law holiday party that evening. So if check. If you're in, Interested? The sign up is on atl.abovethelaw.com. Uh, you can RSVP. Space is limited, so if you're interested and in the New York area on Monday the 11th, you should uh, sign up. Yeah. So get that done. Uh, we'll see folks then. All right. Bye. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.